Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by Sonia, but you might know her as Ghostly Reads on TikTok. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It is surreal being here, but I am so excited. (laughs) I mean, it was a matter of time. We are like book talk buds. Yeah, absolutely. It's just what a year ago I was doing the cross-country trip and your voice was making sure I stayed on the lane and now being on here is so incredible <laughs> well I'm glad you made it across the country safe and that books in the freezer was there to keep you company it was meant to be so what are we talking about today space horror which is one of the best subgenres. although I say that about a lot of subgenres, but you really have to work hard to beat this one love it and I don't know there's just so much about it that works and that personally terrifies me I don't know about you like those kids who used to who say that they stare up at the sky or the stars and like vow to be among them one day never me absolutely never me just like the thought of the endless black void makes my palms sweaty Mine was, um, I know like my parents bought me like a book all about space when I was in elementary school and I was flipping through it and it was like, you know, the here's the lifespan of stars and stars eventually like burn out and die. The sun is a star, so eventually it too will burn out and die. And I was like just hyperventilating and then everyone, I don't care if you tell me it's going to be billions of years from now. I The thought of that makes me like sick to my stomach to where I was like I know I the thought of space freaks me out and like who knows who knows like the sun could do something super weird an asteroid can hit an alien can come there just are so many unknowns that it is it's it's something that I approach with extreme caution not that I would ever approach it but it is just it's danger zone Absolutely. And I mean, like, what are knowns? You and I have both lived within the timeline where we were taught that Pluto was a planet. That was a known. That was the mnemonic that we used. And now it's like, no, it's not actually. So nothing, nothing is known. I have trust issues. (laughs) Saturn all of a sudden starts moving. They're like, yeah, so Saturn has always been an alien spaceship and is flying away. Okay, Pluto used to be a planet. Like, who am I to say what can happen in 10 years from now or tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, people that know science are like, no, mm," they're like... (laughs) That's not how that works. They're like, that's not that's not even close to how that works. <laughs> Listening to this podcast. And you're right, I don't. I the thought of space, like when I see like NASA talk about like, oh, like we're getting this vision, this uh picture here, and this means this, and this is this whole other galaxy. I'm like, I can't. My brain, I feel the cosmic horror of everything implied by that. Space was made for existential dread, and part of me thinks it was only created to give five year olds like future anxiety. And I'm sorry, no scientist can disprove that to me. (laughs) Yeah, it was a purposeful thing. They're like, you know what we need? We need to give five-year-olds like a little bit of anxiety. Um, So we're just going to put space here. Right? Like they have dinosaurs. They're happy with those. We need to put a countermeasure into place. (laughs) Oh, man. So what about space works with horror? Absolutely everything, which is why it's such a good subgenre. I love that it's a blend of multiple genres because you kind of need that Mm sci-fi element. Like even if you're predominantly leaning into like the horror facets, like you need that sci-fi element. But like regardless if you're doing this from kind of like a space opera 
hard sci-fi, so kind of like Blind Sight by Peter Watts or, you know, Ship of Fools, there's still the fear of the unknown. There's the fear of darkness. And those are two primal fears. Like I am a 30 year old woman, but I am scared of the dark and I am scared of the unknown. And space tackles that to the extremes. And it has all of these other subgenres that are involved in it. You can have haunted houses in space mm-hmm. and survival horror. Like I get anxious on the subway at 8 a.m when there's too many people, you know, crowded next to me. Like imagine being in a little tiny tube so far from earth and like the claustrophobia that sets in, but there's no escaping it. There's just like everything about it is meant to kill you. Yes, that's what gets me is like I as a human am not meant to be in this environment. So we've created, you know, in these stories, all these things. I mean, not in these stories. These are things that actually exist. They're not like, you know, those those fictional things, rocket ships and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, like all these things are here to keep me in a to keep me alive in an environment where I am not supposed to survive. And that terrifies me. I mean, same thing with submarines, you know, just like, hmm. We can get into this whole thing where I'm not convinced that like the deepest part of the ocean is not space. I went on a rant about it the other day, but like in the best case scenario, space is an inhospitable death trap. That's best case scenario. So once you add uh, a creature, an alien, something massively going wrong, your hopes of survival are fragile enough. You don't need this other thing at that point just put me in an airlock because I will shoot myself out (laughs) I mean yeah there's so much there's yeah just the day-to-day of just being in space and then blending it with horror we have like we talked about fear of the unknown sometimes that coming in as an alien life form of some kind which arguably is one of my favorite space type things but even when there aren't aliens, just this fear, this interacting with something that you can't comprehend that you don't know. So it could be a small little germ that a scientist has to start poking and it could have been a neutral thing. But of course, in the wrong circumstances, it becomes something incredibly dangerous and wipes out an entire crew of people, which is just like what my brain can't function in that environment my brain can't function thinking about that type of environment no and i feel like in these stories they're always so like not cavalier because they're very excited about like oh we found life on another planet but no one seems to be like horrified about that at any point until it starts to turn right like not even like the slightest bit of of suspicion Mm -hmm. like this is be suspicious (laughs) yeah this is be suspicious Probably the alien franchise is the one that comes to mind, but also about the evils of capitalism and giant corporations that uh, do not care about the people on board if it means that, you know, they need to be sacrificed for something that can make them money. Yeah, like the good of the company. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on top of that, space just amplifies the tension, it raises the stakes automatically. Because one wrong move, a tiny little mistake could mean disastrous consequences. It could mean 
death and then you have somebody who's like no 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 like don't we'll put don't worry about the crack in the spaceship we'll put duct tape on it like it's fine don't worry about the five altars we have in cairo like just you know you you focus on you but i i do love the aspect of a significant amount of horror just being like corporations rule the world not only is your life fragile in the sense of it can be destroyed by anything it's also fragile in the fact that these greedy corporations do not care about you Mm -hmm. and i mean they own you i mean what are you going to do you're living on their on their property you are their property right now essentially one of my favorite tropes and i don't necessarily see it in horror too much is just that idea of just living makes you in debt like indebted whatever to uh corporations and just like you have to pay off this debt just because you're alive and they can do that to you and then your life is pure hell because of it it's fun stuff to think about makes me feel really good about the future (laughs) (laughs) well i know in like recent years and i mean like i mean space opera stuff has always kind of not always but has existed for a long time but i know there's been that recent um like hope punk it's the the antithesis of a grimdark i believe yes it is uh like the wayfarer series books becky chambers yeah get into those feel-good books but when i think about it like yeah i absolutely love those those books i think that helps temper my space anxiety it's like okay but if i live in a world where we've kind of got it figured out like we're already in the other galaxy like we interact with all these other species and like interplanetary intergalactic intergalactic travels kind of like already been figured out i'm like okay i can the live sacrifices here like have been made <laughs> yeah um like i never got into like star trek but you know stuff like that where it's like that's already been figured out this is just how we live now i can deal with those types of stories <laughs> but if it's like modern day we're like we're still kind of this is the first first contact like some uh, ships might go down but that's kind of like your monday commute traffic sucks what can you do about it (laughs) yeah uh well speaking of these stories there are i mean quite a few movies that delve into the the space horror category and they're all for the most part so good like even if they're bad they're usually bad enough to be good well we got the the big one i would say alien alien Love that. I need to rewatch it, but I I just have so much fun with it. And it does fall into that category of like, we really should have all just listened to Ripley. She made some good points and everyone was just like hand waving her off uh, when she was like, I think we should. These are the procedures. When this happens, we need to quarantine. Nope. <laughs> and that happens in Aliens, too. Like she survived this and she's like trying to tell this group of like Marines, like, Hey, you know, this is what happened the first time. They're like, nah, don't worry about it. We have guns this time, but it all just goes back to being so blase about something that is life threatening. And I don't know what's happening in the future. Maybe death is just something that's so common. People don't care about it, but I am sorry. If I hear a distress call, I'm not going. I'm not going. And the rule that you have to, it's not cool. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that is the setup a lot where it's like, oh, there's a distress call coming from this ship. No one's heard from this ship in 40 years. Nothing could go wrong. I mean, I think that leads us into probably the other big one that people think about when they think about space horror. Event Horizon. Yep, yep, yep. 
where we're going, we don't need eyes. That's not his line delivery style, but we're just going with that. (laughs) (laughs) That was Sam. That was Sam Neill's first take. Yeah. (laughs) And then he got some direction. (laughs) They were like, that's let's think about the scene. That's not how that would go. It is such a good movie. And I love that. So Alien obviously gave rise to that. There's a distress signal. We have to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Event Horizon kind of gave rise to like the haunted house in space trope that a lot of recent modern books and movies are. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. So I've seen that. Yeah, as a big comp. It's like, and this is like Event Horizon where it's like, this is a ghost ship and like, ooh, no one's, no one's heard from the crew in 40 years. It just kind of went dark. Ooh, nothing can go wrong. We're definitely just going to like hop on board and check out what happened and just come back on this ship unscathed sounds right i i yeah and then it's so funny because like in the 80s when like rosemary's baby came out like everybody was rushing to be like it's rosemary's baby meets the pet cemetery it's rosemary's baby meets martha stewart now it kind of seems like everything is blank meets event horizon but to be honest i'm not mad about it yeah i mean it was like the the thrillers of the 2010s everything was gone girl like every like unreliable female narrator was like this is gone girl meets this just slap it on just slap her name on it it'll sell (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean event horizon yeah has the haunted house thing but then oh the turn that it takes at the end when like supernatural stuff starts coming up and just the the set design the body horror design just everything is just like the body in that, I'm a body horror girly, is it's minimal, but it's so effective. And that one short little scene when they, you know, uh, reconstruct the the message is so just like horrifying and intense. And that just you there's nowhere to run. You know what I mean? Like they see that they're experiencing these weird hallucinations they don't know what reality is and then to see what happened to that crew and realize there's nowhere to go like that my my brain would fracture yeah no i get anxiety having like a second cup of coffee i'm not (laughs) to exist in those dire situations (laughs) no absolutely not it's like, I mean, I'll talk about this in like a later story, but like in the story of the Martian where like Matt Damon's character is like, yeah, you know, like kind of as an astronaut, you're kind of told like everything up there is a big deal, like mistakes and everything is life or death. And you're kind of taught how to like calm down and like see if you can find a solution. And I'm like, I am not built that way. I am all panic. No disco. You do not have solutions with me. <laughs> When I watched The Martian, uh, a friend brought me to see it, and I thought it was going to be a horror alien movie. So I'm sitting there for the entire movie, just like waiting for the buildup. When it ended, I was thoroughly confused. (laughs) Like, but where are the Martians? Why so many poop potatoes? Where are the Martians? (laughs) And like another... I don't know. I think like a specific pocket of people might know this, but Event Horizon is also like the unofficial prequel to Warhammer 4K, which is like a dark futuristic tabletop game where Mm -hmm. you're essentially going to war with somebody. Um, And I didn't include the books, but they are a surprisingly really good series 
uh, that definitely fit into the space horror genre. And I think they're a little bit underrated because they are tied to a, a game. That is cool. I mean, I've heard that. I did not know uh, that those properties were tied. I think it's unofficial, but I know... um, Like an unofficial inspiration type deal. Yeah, but definitely. So I think Event Horizon was inspired by The Shining. I want to say The Haunting. And I think there was a throwaway mention that Warhammer was also a little bit of an inspiration. Oh, interesting i was thinking also like life um that jake gyllenhaal movie that came out and prometheus are kind of similar in that we're like the motivation is like scientific discovery like we are on this voyage and we're gonna be like the first ones to make this really big discovery and like what could go wrong we've got it don't worry about it no no no. i'm good it's fine it's poking it with a stick nothing's gonna go wrong Uh, I do not understand people who sign themselves up to be first contact folks. You, you Mm -hmm. guys can have it. You're on your own. And it's just, I don't like, it's all these super qualified people, years of training, years of school. And when they have this like bright, shiny object, and I think it is kind of human nature, like all of that training just goes away and they're like a cute little, they're seeing a cute little puppy. Like I want to touch it. And then all hell breaks loose. No, I mean, there is just the need to be the first one to have your name attached to this discovery. Like, what if, you know, we call this, like, discovery, like, the Sonya discovery? You know, that's going to drive you to be... doesn't need to happen. <laughs> You're like, no, actually not. It's not a, a big motivator for me. Well, like, in life, when they're... Um, like live streaming from space to like that elementary school class and they're like oh we're gonna do a poll what should we name this new like alien little amoeba thing that we found oh calvin is that what they end up calling it something like that (laughs) (laughs) i'm like calvin maybe don't underestimate calvin yeah leave him in the room like let him just be calvin in a corner and you don't have to let him touch your flesh but of course people are so driven by the need of having a legacy that they they will risk everything and they're part of it's them not realizing that by risking by pushing these boundaries you're literally risking the survival of mankind but it's a sacrifice worth making to make sure your name goes in the history books if there is one wild you have here sunshine i've never seen that i okay some people might come at me because i know there is a subset a large subset that will say it's purely thriller but it scared me i put it on as a movie uh just to kind of fall asleep to i haven't seen it before and by the end i was sitting up in my bed with the covers like to my mouth and yes it was thrilling but I, my heart was pounding. There's, I don't want to give it away. It's not necessarily a creature feature, but it's it's kind of more of a realistic horror movie that describes how terrifying, bleak space is. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, it's all about like you. The sun is burning out. And oh no, no, I'm already like no. This out, is this but... is my first. This is my first big fear, Sonia. Right, like. That's a terrifying concept, and a crew is flying out there to try to reignite it. And what? It's it's like what? Which, what? <laughs> who like yeah? Let's just like just bring a lighter. Just you know, bring a really big lighter. Go go make that ball on fire again. But it's it's psychologically 
so messed up and that's that's part of what I love about space horror too is you don't necessarily need uh, an alien or a creature your own mind becomes the entity and mass hysteria mass paranoia can easily undo and unravel a crew just as easily as a xenomorph can Oh, absolutely. Speaking of, I don't think either of us picked any of the alien novels and also the exciting news that V. Castro. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. I think her book, uh, the Vasquez book, I think it's coming out October 25th. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I love, okay, I don't love all of the alien books, but I love most of them. Mm -hmm. And I, I was going back and forth if I should include them on my list but I I decided an honorable mention was enough yeah I know previous guests just uh would be remiss if they did not at least get a mention um in this episode about space horror so yeah that is definitely one to look out for and one that even though I haven't read any of the other alien books I'm gonna check out because V Castro so of course you can do no wrong with V Castro and arguably and I mean I love Vasquez is a fascinating character the best character other than Ellen Ripley, of course. But I'm like, well. she was like the best character in Alien. I mean, definitely the most memorable. We love a, a sassy, a sassy Latina. We absolutely do. And I think, A, like, we don't have enough women in space horror, which I kind of talk about when we get to my books. So, like, choosing, like, a really powerful, sassy, witty character. I'm, like, salivating for that book. <laughs> yeah, I am very excited for it. All right, well, should we talk about some books? That's why we're here. This episode is brought to you by Fangoria, the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979. Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code books in the freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. All right, I will start off with a graphic novel. Um, It is Southern Cross by Becky Cloonan and I think illustrated by Andrew Bellinger. And here we are again. Um, This is if you want a good event horizon read alike. (laughs) But there are just certain elements where I'm like, but I mean, it just this is that if there's like certain feelings that I feel like even other books that I have read where it's like, this is like Event Horizon. I'm like, no, but this really is though. So this woman, Alex, is tracing her sister's steps to the refinery moon to collect her remains and just hopefully find some answers regarding her sister's passing. It's just, it was very sudden. Um, She had like a weird relationship with her sister and, but there's just something that feels off um, about it. So she's on this ship and there's just she's running into people and she there's just people know more than they're letting on and she doesn't know who to believe and who to trust so it's kind of got a bit of a locked room mystery because I mean all of like space stuff is basically one big locked room vessel yeah I was gonna say a big component to a lot of movies and a lot of books is like that one character or like that subsection of characters who are like yeah yeah 
that's totally the mission objective as they're hiding nuclear warheads mm-hmm. or like a cage to cra- to catch whatever creature that they're after. Yeah, so it was just a very good blend of sci-fi, murder mystery, and horror. And yeah, I'll just say the type of horror, very final act of Event Horizon. Like I just, I was like, yes, feeling this, here for it. Um, I would say I'm putting this in the fridge. There was some creepy imagery as it gets to the end and you kind of get a hint of what's going on. Um, These are available on Hoopla. If your library has Hoopla, you can just download them for free. I think it's like two volumes, like volumes like one through seven and then like eight through 12. Um, But I just absolutely loved these. And I think especially if you're a little burnt out on like, a normal sci-fi narrative just having something that's like in a different format and just like kind of colorful and interesting and coming at it from a new way uh was really fun so i really liked this so that is southern cross by becky clunan and andrew bellinger my goal this year was to get into graphic novels and it's almost october and i haven't read one yet so maybe that will be hoopla is great i would say for graphic novels that's where i read a lot of them um and you just like download them and you can kind of like double tap on a panel and it zooms it up if you're having like a hard time reading like a whole panel on a little screen i I need that these days yeah we're getting old it happens gonna do it gracefully um so my first pick is an anthology midnight beyond the stars and it's edited by kenneth b i want to say kane i really hope i'm pronouncing names right names right um and this is a good sampler that's mainly why i picked it it's like a little charcuterie board where you get a taste of different elements that make up space horror so we get a variety of different aliens some are comical some are more serious and scary they uh some stories take place on earth some take place in space we have cosmic elements we have isolation we have existential dread so if you want to dip your feet into the genre it's a really good place to start and it has so many incredible authors uh christopher triana samantha uh kolesnik they wrote earthbound stories so i'm not going to highlight those But one of my favorite was Embryo by Tim Curran. And it's such a dread-inducing story that makes you feel powerless and completely insignificant. And I guess it has an event horizon elements in the fact that it's a haunted house in space. Uh, It's done very differently. But we're dealing with a haunted planet instead. But there is that element of uh, ships have gone there and disappeared. And there's like this urban legend facet to it. And we see the crew succumb to a mass paranoia that's not unjustified. Um, And there's this really creepy, inescapable presence that like really drives home that there is nowhere to run in space. There, this isn't a haunted house on Earth where you can kind of make it out. Um, 
And side note, I don't know. There's a scene where a character has the audio of the planet playing in the hull. And I'm not sure if you've ever thought to look up the sounds made by planets. Um, no. See, this is like what I mean. So you know, like every time NASA's like, we found something exciting. I just like, I can't handle it. I'm like, tune it no. out. No. Yeah, tune it out. <laughs> but please go on. I will. I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but like instead of playing like calming nature sounds when I'm going no. to bed, I'll put on like, let's listen to some space sounds. And then I'm lying there with like saucer eyes being filled with existential dread comparable to nothing that I've ever felt. Uh, Saturn in particular is the most terrifying sound. You should look it up when when we're done. Um and another story is Scan for Life by Jason Parent. And that's just kind of like a countdown to death type story. Huh. So there was an explosion. Uh, this one crew member survived, but their oxygen is depleting. And they only have like, I think, a minute, maybe less to survive. So they're floating around uh, a planet, you know, completely helpless. Uh, waiting for their oxygen to run out. But then they start noticing something odd about the planet. And they realize that maybe suffocating wouldn't have been such a bad death after all. Oh, no. And I I like this story because it goes into my like rationale of Lee, whatever is in space alone. Whatever is out there, let it be. We don't need to go waking things up. Um, it's, I know that anthologies can be hit or miss, but I think for the majority, these stories are, are fairly solid. I had a really good time with, with most of them. Interesting. I did see this and I, I was looking at that too. It has a lot of really, I was surprised by how many authors known authors were in it and it's just so fun seeing their takes on space horror because for a lot of them it's not in their wheelhouse really mm -hmm. it's something i've seen an uptick more recently have you noticed that like i feel like a few years ago i wanted to do space horror and i was like really struggling Oh, absolutely. To find stuff. And like, I feel like in the recent years, we've seen the like, like you were saying, the event horizon <laughs> read alikes. It's not a bad. Trend. No, I'm not. I'm not complaining. And especially with NASA doing what NASA does. Like, I think we're going to start, unfortunately, having really weird encounters. That's probably going to spur a wave of of more. And I am desperately waiting for it. Yeah. Um, and if people are wondering why we're not like talking about any like extraterrestrial stuff, again, I can't handle it. I don't know how to put it to you. Like I, I will not look into this because I, my anxiety cannot take it. It's I just... <laughs> love aliens. Uh, the dark forest theory will keep me awake for days if I think about it too much, but it, there's so much on earth like there's bears you know there are sharks they're scary enough like why do we have to include something that could snuff us out so easily if they wanted to seriously on that note moving on to my next pick uh which is the luminous dead by caitlin starling and if you want a book that is just claustrophobia i would say here you go this is this is claustrophobia the novel 
So this is about a woman named Jire who takes a job where she will be exploring a cave by herself. And I really like the beginning of this book where when we get her motivation that she lies about her qualifications to get this job, this is kind of her only chance to get off this planet. And we do have the like prep for the mission. Like she gets her fitted, her fitted suit with all the like doodads and stuff. And I'm like, this is cool. I like like reading about all this stuff. Um, but then we get to where she actually is in the cave. And essentially the only contact she has is through her suit to another woman named M, who is kind of giving her directives. And they have a tense relationship to start off. They do not uh, get off on the right foot. And that intensifies as they, as Jire doesn't know if M is being honest with her about like you were saying what is the nature of this mission um are you being honest that i really am one of the first people to be here because i see things that lead me to believe that that might not be the case so what am i supposed to do with this evidence of things that i am seeing and you're just kind of hand waving it away is that a pair of nikes <laughs> like, it's like no 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 sorry no. about no <laughs> you're not saying that um i mean but also m has like full control of her suit so she will like inject her with stuff and just put her to sleep she's like this is a this is a gross violation of my bodily autonomy but it's like uh you belong to the corporation and you're here to do this mission so if that's what needs to be done it's what needs to be done which again is terrifying to be stuck somewhere you don't know uh wearing this suit where someone else has control of like what you do and it's somebody that you can't even trust yeah that you've never seen that yeah, you don't trust. That is the only contact you have. And are you alone in this cave? Despite what she is saying, are you? I again, like the cluster. I can't, I can't handle being on a subway. But imagine like pushing yourself through a cave system and just noticing that unsettling feeling that jolts to the back of your brain that something is wrong and that primal, like animalistic need to run away, but being completely unable to mm -hmm. is heart attack central, right? Yeah, absolutely not. Like I kind of want this to be a movie because then it would rival like The Descent for me. The Descent is like my all time, like my number one, like number one spot for me. Uh, but this would be up there we're kind of dealing with some things. If done correctly, because I mean, the book too, when, when you hear about the book, it's, it doesn't sound like a lot can be done with the narrative, but it is packed full of a lot of really good writing for basically being communication between two people. Yeah. I mean, if we pitch this like thing, it is a one kind of two person novel. That is it. Yeah. And so for that reason, I am putting it in the fridge. Um, this one, I I would say there probably are parts of it that went on a little too long for me. Like I feel like it could have been slimmed down a bit uh, to keep the tension high. But overall, it was very enjoyable and a book that, I mean, I still think about to this day. And I read it several years ago. Um, so that is The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling. That is a goodie. My next pick is The Last Astronaut by David Wellington. A large alien object is heading towards Earth and a 
not quite disgraced astronaut is picked to lead a team to make first contact, which you should never do. The problem is that corporations have pretty much taken over and NASA is all but defunct. The uh, Sally Jennings is their last astronaut. They have no money uh, and her crew is a mishmash of qualified but woefully unprepared individuals. They've never been to space. They really don't know what to do to survive in that atmosphere. And as you imagine, things go horribly wrong for all of them. It's very fast paced and it mixes first contact aliens and survival horror. So we do have some aliens in this one. Ooh. I listened to the audiobook, which is somewhat rare for me, but it works. There's this mix of narr like regular narration, video vlogs, and kind of like voice confessions. And it's all mixed together in a way that is so cinematic that it pulls you right there in with them. Tensions are high. The group start to turn on each other as their paranoia grows. Things start to get pretty violent and hidden motives start coming to the surface as they're exploring this alien ship and realizing there is something here and it's dangerous. Plus, there is a good amount, not too much, but a good amount of body horror, which is so good when it comes to space horror because what better way to show us how weak our fragile little bodies are than by completely obliterating them. So I won't say that this book goes too far into graphic detail, but it did kind of give me the ruins vibes oh. at certain points, which I was not angry about. Um, and I love that it focuses on the enormity of space, how difficult it is to survive just because you are out on a spaceship and you don't need something lurking in the darkness to kill you necessarily, although there is that in this book. Something as simple as the batteries on your spacesuit running out could be the end of you. Oh, it's oh like when you look down, like there's a, like, you know, you look down and your phone has 25%, like that's an inconvenience. But imagine like looking down, you are stuck in this alien ship, no way that you know to get out and you're running out of oxygen. I am not built to survive stressful situations like that. I would find a cliff in that ship and like yeet myself off. Um, yeah. And I also really appreciate that Sally Jansen, one of the POV characters, she's a woman in her 40s or maybe 50s. And she's not like an Ariana Grande substitute, you know, when we see those very young 19 year olds, 20 year olds in like little lab coat. That's not what this book is about. This woman is older, she's tired and her body hurts. And I just really appreciated that. Yeah, we need more of that. We really do need that. Give me a hero whose knees creak when they stand up. 
I will read everything about their lives. I would probably put it at room temperature. It's not the scariest book that you are going to read. It is very unsettling and it makes you realize that as prepared as the government, as the world, as trained individuals think that they are, when you confront the unknown, you realistically have no way of fighting it. First, you have to to learn all you can about it. You have to have something that could get through its defenses, but often than not, you are starting from a significant disadvantage and you have to try to make that work. And sometimes, uh, sometimes you can't. This is The Last Astronaut by David Wellington. Mm-hmm. And I do encourage the audio, the audiobook. We'll make a note of that. That sounds really interesting. Okay, for my final pick, I was kind of torn between two books. I was going to do The Gone World by Tom Sweaterlich. Um, I read it several years ago, though, and I remember it being a very complicated book, and I was not confident in my ability to rehash like plot points and be able to talk about it at length. But I will say, I remember absolutely loving it. Um, it's pitched as kind of true detective in kind of true detective with time travel. I can see that. Yeah, so it's like this woman who is set to investigate a, um, is it a Navy SEAL who has murdered his family? The murder of a Navy SEAL's family and like their missing uh, teen daughter. And she has to like go back in time to like, which again hurts my brain to think about. It's like explained a lot better in the book, but like how she's going back and like finding all this stuff. And then there is a space element that I think they lean into more into the third act. But that's really as as deep as I can go because I, I read it so long ago. And even then I was like, this is complex. I read it recently and I haven't made a video about it because I don't know how to talk about it. It's very good. (laughs) Yeah. So instead, I I wanted to give it a mention, though, because if you are looking for like sci-fi, like mystery with like, I don't know, God, there's just so much stuff going on. It's kind of like cosmic time travel, like procedural, like it's got kind of all these things going for it. I definitely wanted to give it a mention. Uh, But I'm going a very different direction with my final pick, and I'm doing the short story collection The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury. I love Ray Bradbury. Um, And one of the stories is Kaleidoscope. And this is about a rocket that just kind of explodes and everyone on board, um, you know, has their spacesuits on, but they're all just kind of launched (laughs) into different directions. Here's the quote. They fell. They fell as pebbles fall down wells. They scattered as jackstones are scattered from a gigantic throw. And now, instead of men, there were only voices, all kinds of voices, disembodied and impassioned in varying degrees of terror and resignation. And it's just like this crew, they all have been thrust and they are all basically like being launched in different directions. They can still communicate 
with each other, but they are getting like further and further away. And there's like a note that um, their communication is interrupted because one of them is just screaming and taking up the channel um, as he is being launched until his screams just like die out as he's too far away. And what is scary about this is that this is not told as a horror story. Like the way this is told is very like contemplative and we're following this man who's kind of like dealing with like his own mortality and kind of like what did my life mean like now that I'm kind of here and like I kind of hope my life means something but everything about this made my palms sweat I was like oh literally like (laughs) uh, writhing in my seat (laughs) yeah like they're joking with each other and they're like oh where are you headed and he's like well it looks like uh I'm gonna hit this like meteor belt so you know we'll see how long I have ah well it looks like I'm gonna hit earth so I'm probably just gonna burn up on impact (laughs) like And I'm like, like crying listening to this. And it's told in this very removed, like matter of fact way. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't. And the uh, thing with like spacesuits and, you know, sometimes movies go into like, you know, we have the best armor in the world. But when it comes to space, like no matter like what suits they have, no matter what their ships are fitted with, it really feels like those flimsy uh seat belt you get on roller coasters where it's like mm-hmm. well good luck and like a little pat on the shoulder like we yeah we as like some, some distracted 16 16 year old like about to go on lunch is like you're fine click uh then there was another story called the long rain and it's about these astronauts who um are on venus and on venus it never stops raining and so they are kind of slowly being driven mad and they are on the lookout for a sun dome because I guess the first time we landed in Venus in the story we did put like sun domes and dry spots everywhere the species that lives on Venus like went out and destroyed all of them but supposedly there is one still standing and so this crew is out looking for them but just the constant barrage of rain and as they're getting like more weathered and weathered like you know they start like hallucinating people just start like thinking they see something and like running off into the distance and it's just like one by one the crew just starts thinning out um as this is just finally getting to them um then there was one story called no particular night or morning where it's like two astronauts and one just really starts like delving into the philosophy like solipsism where he just kind of like doubts that anything is real like I wrote this story and my name was there, but what if it wasn't me? What if the memory I have of writing that story wasn't real? And it just like, it just gets to him. And you're just like, what are you doing? As he's just like, nothing is real. And the guy's like, but I'm here. I'm here. And I, you can see me. And he's like, but what if you're not? That is a trip. But it does make me think, you know, like when humans, you know how they have those rooms where there's like no noise and oh, sensory and like, deprivation yeah, chambers so like you're put into those. And I, I think everybody pretty much freaks out at different like time frames. But like those make me think that humans are not made, not adapted to go into these weird isolated situations where we can't figure things out because our brain takes over in very bad ways not even ways that help us survive sometimes oh my gosh yeah yeah those were like i think the creepier stories i think with ray bradbury you're gonna have like a 
a variety and like um like the rocket man story was in this one which is the basis for the for the song rocket man i don't know if cute's the right word but that's like a quieter more domestic story about like a mother and son and like the the dad goes off into space for like three months at a time and just like comes back and just like how they deal with the reality of having him like gone and then come back and then gone and come back and it's just like a bit more of like an emotional like sad story so you're gonna have those like just like the quietly sad ones like there's a story it's called like I think it's called like the night before the end of the world where it's just like this couple and they're like putting their kids to bed and they just kind of know like the world's gonna end oh I need to read that like, yeah like I'm of that couple in Titanic who's just like oh my gosh that <laughs> That kills me. Like, it's just one of the, I, that movie, that's the scene where I start bawling, where they're just laying on the bed, like holding hands. Yeah. Like immediate tears or the the mom reading her kids like bedtime or like telling her kids bedtime. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm crying now. I'm literally crying. Now. <laughs> oh, man. The, the emotions in that is, I want to say it's like such a simple thing that like draws out the biggest emotions. But I mean, I don't have kids, but like I took my dog to sleep. So imagine like a child yeah. in that. No, no, thank you. But I'm absolutely going to read it and sob. Maybe yeah. tonight. I love the the style of these stories and the, the that mid-century sci-fi literary style, you know, is very Twilight Zone-esque. And there are like a few stories where it has that like, ooh, like twilight zone twist at the end i mean i know he did write like a twilight zone episode or two i love the twilight zone but if you like me then i can't trust you as a person (laughs) (laughs) i just i love it so much it's i always go back to it and just that is a first date question do you like the twilight zone nope okay have fun i will pay for the dinner (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would i would recommend that i thought it was like a solid collection um so that is the Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury. My last choice. I was also debating between The Mind is a Terrible Thing by Haley Piper and Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. And I did opt for Dead Silence, but I did want to throw out Haley Piper because it is a very good cosmic horror. And instead of people following the signal, they're just people existing in space and the bad thing comes to them so that's like the next step in the evolution of our space travels where we're minding our own business and bad things come our way anyway but for dead silence by s.a barnes and uh talking about the titanic a repair team discover a outdated distress signal on the edges of space which like already abort mission there's this long debate about how they have to respond because that's just space law uh it seems to be common space law throughout a multitude of movies and books and ultimately they decide to follow it not because they're good people but because they're thinking about fame and fortune that could come with it. And the signal goes to the Aurora, which is a lost luxury space liner, a la the Titanic. Mm -hmm. And they decide to go on board and claim it as salvage so they can be wealthy for the rest of their days. 
but they don't really realize that they are stumbling into a gigantic nightmare. I believe this was Barnes' first time writing true horror, and you really get this sense of her playing in the sandbox of horror tropes and having fun, which made me have fun as a reader. I had a really, really good time with this one. Is it something that's going to keep you up at night? You know, probably not. But the tropes that she uses are simple and effective enough that it kind of brought me back to being a little girl scared to check under my bed for a noise I could have heard. And that's not a easy thing to achieve, especially with your first book. And it also plays on one of my favorite tropes, which is going into a situation where there are signs of civilization, but not a trace of a person can be found. So there, you know, are discarded plates everywhere. There is signs of somebody being here recently, but they are poof, just gone because it sparks this primal fear and it's it's this gigantic mystery of what did this is this still here and am i going to be next and i really think that barnes used visuals incredibly well there are uh before the gravity is turned back on there are sheets floating down corridors and that's mixed with footsteps that shouldn't be there with traditional horror tropes of seeing something from the you know in your peripheral and then you turn around and it's no longer there and I thought it was just such a fun callback to horror as a genre and People are a little bit on the fence about this one because they wish that it leaned more into horror, but or like the scary aspects of horror. But I think she did such a good job of walking a balance. Plus, her influences were the Titanic, Ghost Ship, which I think is a must watch, and Aliens, obviously. So to take all of those and make something that doesn't necessarily feel new, but refreshing it in the sense of putting it in space, kind of like uh, Jason X. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think it, it was a really good time, and I think people will have a really good time reading it. I agree. I enjoyed this one. And yeah, I was waiting for you to mention Ghost Ship because it just has that like we're going on to this like used to be a luxury cruise liner but like you know there's evidence of people being here but where are they and when they find them yikes they when they do it's it's a lot it is and it's just there there's this your brain just fights what's happening uh without giving anything away for dead uh silence you know, at one point, they're looking at, like, dismembered human 
body parts, but they're like frozen in space time. Floating. And like floating and you're like dodging. It's it's just such a good twist on haunted houses, on like the the mysterious nature that comes with getting to the bottom of, you know, what happened to these people. I was I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this one. I agree. It was it was a fun time. Um, and yeah, and it's also got the like this was you know a floating space hotel, so you have the kind of the like hotel tropes of like people staying in rooms and are those rooms empty and what's going on here? Absolutely, and the weird phantoms like are we really seeing phantoms are we succumbing to something in the air are we hallucinating what's real what's not real because at one point the characters do start to question their reality which makes sense when you are stuck in a floating shell on the edges of civilization your mind is going to not be your ally necessarily so having to figure out what's going on when your mind is the thing that's dragging you down is not something that i want to experience in my lifetime nope it's a big that's a big nope from me too (laughs) so what would you rate this i would say it's in the fridge and i know people will fight me on that but i think there's enough of those classic horror tropes, those elements that just brought me back to being a little kid and being scared of simple things. And maybe I just dived into that feeling because I just loved that she got these emotions out of me. But I, I it's not going to keep you up at night, but I think you will have the chill. And that is Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Well, one of the traditions we have on this podcast is to ask guests what their final girl song would be. My final girl song is Ain't Gonna Drown in the River by L. King. Ooh, what are the vibes? What are we working with? It is a very 
I'm accepting my fate. I don't care if the devil if the devil is going to drag me down. I am dragging myself back out and I don't care if I'm corrupted. This is just who I am now. And I very much vibe with that. <laughs> I love that. I will add it to the list. Then our last tradition, of course, is to ask us for a chilling obsession. So what is something you've been enjoying in horror lately? Other than reading, I am massively obsessed with playing horror games. And right now, I was a little bit late. I am fully immersed in The Quarry by Supermassive Games. They are the same company that put out Until Dawn for Until Dawn fans. I absolutely love and hate these high stakes games where a tiny like minute choice will completely derail everything and kill everybody that you love. I love giving myself that anxiety. That is funny. I love that. It is just it's funny because I think you and I are both anxiety girlies and we're both just so into horror. And I know a lot of people cannot wrap their minds around it, but we get it. I was talking about it with a friend yesterday and I feel like it gives me like the adrenaline boost and the serotonin spike that I need to just like rush through my week and then I'm depleted and I'm tired. So I need to like add that back by like scaring the crap out of myself and then, okay, I have enough energy to get through the next week. And it's, you're writing off of waves of fear. That's how I live my life. <laughs> nice. I don't know. A lot of mine is like exposure therapy. Oh my gosh. For me, it's the Final Destination movies because I literally do live my life like scared of like everything just killing me. So watching a franchise that is just based on like one wrong move and something out there is just like gonna get you in some weird Rube Goldbergian way. But they do. I do like work through all my all my anxiety just watching them. And I'm like, you know what? I can handle it now. I feel right <laughs> at peace. Thank you. <laughs> And I just watched it, so it can't happen. Like, it, a month needs to pass before it happens to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it also helps that they are so ridiculous that I'm like, okay, so it, it probably wouldn't happen like that. So I'd be safe. I still will not put my arm, my hand down a garbage disposal ever. And I will still not ever be behind a truck carrying logs. Mm -mm. I will I think... go out of my way to not do both. <laughs> Yeah, I think a whole generation of us knows not to do that. Also, the descent. Don't drive behind logging trucks. Uh, but my chilling obsession is I finally saw Nope. I have to watch that still. Uh, it was very good. I rented it uh, video on demand because my husband was out of town and I got to enjoy it on the on the big TV downstairs by myself. Such a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so I think my Jordan Peele ranking is still Get Out up top but then nope and then us that's interesting um i really liked it i think it it fits it's kind of a blend of a lot of things it's weirdly like a horror sci-fi western like it's got just a lot going on and it's a movie i would say go in blind i watched it and i was so glad i didn't watch any trailers yes like so i was so I glad yeah not watching don't do it like, go into it just as blind as you can. And it was just such a great experience. There was just certain scenes where I was like, am I 
am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? Is this what is happening? And just visual things where I was like, oh my God. So I, I had a fun time with that. Also, I'll do another mini chilling obsession, but Shudder has been releasing the 101 scariest movie moments and doing it as a weekly countdown. Um, did you ever watch that? Like, um, I think it was on Bravo, like couple decades ago like the 90s or the 2000s but they did like a count like a horror movie countdown of like the scariest moments and had like talking heads but it's so this is like the updated shutter version of that you know where we're hearing from like mike flanagan and tanana reeve do and like actors from movies coming in and saying like yeah like this scene in Candyman was like really big to me because of this and like let's talk about the opening from it follows like let's talk about salem's lot and like i just love it every every wednesday i am like so excited and i like set time to just sit and watch the new installment of like what made the list i didn't know they were doing that i have to that's definitely there's two episodes out now so all right then we need to i need to binge those but there's something about listening mm-hmm. and reading about people talking about these, you know, cult moments that is so fascinating and a lot of the time makes me see them with brand new goggles, a brand new lens. And not everything does that for me. Usually I'm not about reading behind the scenes. I don't really care about like what made the ring of power, you know, magic. But when it comes to those like iconic moments, I'm like, I need to devour everything about this. Yes. I think I just love hearing like cultural impact and like, what is your personal experience with this? What was like, what did we think about this as a society at the time? And I think especially because like, I don't have a ton of people in real life that like horror. So a lot of my like connecting to people about horror is done like, like this or like through Shutter, And so just hearing people talk about like them experiencing the same levels of terror and excitement and anxiety at the same scenes that I did, you know, is kind of like getting to talk to someone about it. And it's yeah, just... absolutely. I did. I wrote an article about the, the true story behind some of uh, the biggest Hollywood moments. And one of those was the chest buster scene in Alien and how none of the actors knew what was happening that day. And they saw buckets of blood everywhere. And they were like, what's that? And everybody was like, don't don't worry about it. Like, just you do you and we'll do us. And the buckets will be buckets. And knowing that, like, one of the characters was so scared that she passed out. Just you, you have to. You have to run back to that scene and watch it. Like, I don't care if it's, like, in the middle of the workday. Like, sorry, boss. I just watched something and now I need to go rewatch <laughs> this scene. And even learning, you know, you might not remember that in, you know, the 2000s, in 1992, this thing, like, was a big deal. Like, in, by today's standards, like, oh, you know, the, the world wouldn't care about this. They wouldn't be offended by this. But then learning about like, no, 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 everybody was pretty mad or shocked that this happened is something I am intensely invested in. It is. I mean, I think I I feel for the actress that passed out. I get it. Also, if someone tells me, don't worry about it, guess what I'm going to do? Doing the opposite. <laughs> I will worry about it. That is exactly what's going to happen to me. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about the much requested space horror topic. It was so fun when I talk to my friends about horror or like space horror. They're like, yeah, 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 shut up. So this was <laughs> this was a blast. What's well, funny, my husband is very like, I would love to go to space. Like, I would absolutely go on a rocket and like go do this and come back. And I'm like, I, we are different breeds of people. Bon and, like, voyage. He, is, he is the person that's like excitedly showing me like the pictures and like, oh, look, we have sounds from something. Like, no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. Back out. Just just write my name in your will, and that's where we will leave it. <laughs> so where can people find you online? I am Ghostly Reads on TikTok and Spooky Curious on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on for this. I would I would do it again. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on TikTok and Instagram at Books in the Freezer. And you can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, there are a few ways you can do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There are three levels of support. There's like a one, a three, and a $5 level. So you can check that out and look at the different perks for each level and see if that sounds interesting to you. You can also check out the affiliate links on the show notes from sponsors like Fangoria, Libro FM, and the Amazon affiliate link there as well. There are, of course, ways to show your support for Books in the Freezer that do not involve spending any money. You can post on social media, whether it be posting about the new episodes or posting about the Books in the Freezer reading challenge. Anything like that is a huge help. Also, leaving reviews. Um, on Spotify, I think it's been recently enabled that you can leave reviews and you can just leave a star rating. You don't have to actually write a review on Apple Podcasts. I think that option is there, but I think they prefer if you uh, write an actual review with a title. And I mean, I like reading them. So thank you to those of you who have taken the time and done that already. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that is That's With Two A's. And see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Thank <laughs> you.